What is good, everyone? Welcome to another Gold Standard Podcast. I'm Rob Statsko-Guerrera. He's Vish Kumaran. Off to a bad start. Got my own name wrong, Vish. Yeah, are you Rob Statsko-Guerrera or are you Rob Statsko-Guerrera? At this point, it's hard to tell. But we are here okay. on Monday, and uh, we got a few things to go over. Shout out to Stephen Duckett, new member on the channel. We appreciate everybody. We have YouTube channel memberships now. Please, please, please sign up and support the show. You get priority comment response. You get membership badges. You get custom emojis also. So please sign up to be a member of the channel. Custom emojis means that they get like personalized gifts of Rob just going crazy (laughs) to a Jimmy Garoppolo game. Is that what that is? Like... When the Niners are playing bad, they just get like a free Rob reaction to completely describe how they feel. I could do that, actually. I didn't think of making them of me. I actually made there's, there's a Trey Lance one. There's a Brock Purdy one. And then I made a Shanna hat also is one of the custom emojis. Uh, but I, I could make a gift of me just freaking out. That's definitely Which Shanna awesome. hat did you go with? I went with the red Shanna hat with the little black square, the trucker hat. I think that's the original. So That yeah, is. Anyway, I'm the gray one, the Niners hat. I was wearing it yesterday on a stream with your new friend, Larry Kruger. Um, (laughs) Interesting. So, uh, yeah, I was wearing it on a stream. So I was hoping that you made it with that hat so I could have a shirt that, you know, her reaction that goes along with my hat. But well, I can make always make another one. So maybe I will. Uh, By the way, new thing. If you want to uh, hit up the chat, you got to subscribe to the channel. So please subscribe and then you'll be able to uh, hit up the chat and we can get to your comment. Now, shouldn't they be a member? Well, you could do a member. I would prefer a membership. You know, I got to put food on the table, but. We'll start with just subscribing. Um, Three things we want to get to on the show. First, Peter King wrote something about the 49ers in his Football Morning in America column that I kind of just, the more I thought about it, the more I disagreed with it. Second, uh, there was a note about quarterbacks in the athletic. Uh, It's actually about the Falcons, but I think it applies to the 49ers as well. And there are way too many fans that I think are comfortable with this idea. And I don't like that at all. So I want to get your take on it. And then last but not least, Matt Mayoko went on KMBR last week and said some bizarre things. Oh, but one of the most bizarre things he said is not getting talked about at all. And it absolutely should because it's really weird and it would be bad decision making by the 49ers if it was true. So we'll get to all of those things. But first and foremost, let's start with what Peter King wrote about the 49ers. He ranked all 32 teams. He did a little power rankings and he had the 49ers at fourth in the NFL, which sounds good, but I don't think that logically it applies. And here's what he wrote about the Niners. He said, I know you don't necessarily pick up where you left off the previous year. And I know the quarterback competition is odd, but prior to the quarterback injury implosion in the NFC title game, I can't unsee this truth. The Niners were on a 12 game winning streak with nine of the wins by double digits. Now that sounds good on the surface, but I, I I don't like logically where it is. First, I'll get your reaction because I've been talking a lot. Niners, fourth. What do you think? I think it's fair. Um, the Niners over the last four years, when they haven't beaten themselves or been injured, what's really beaten them is an elite team with an elite quarterback. We know that team is a tier above the 49ers, right? Even if Brock Purdy got hurt last year, the Philadelphia Eagles were an elite team. 
And Jalen, I wouldn't call Jalen Hurts an elite quarterback, but he's, you know, somewhere on the precipice of being a top seven, eight quarterback in the NFL. So he's a very, very good one. Um, and that beat them. We know the Chiefs blew him out in the second half of the regular in the second half of that game they played in the regular season. That's an elite football team with an elite quarterback. And then Cincinnati is the third team that I would say is an elite team with an elite quarterback. So I, I think that those three teams being above the 49ers is fair, just given that their rosters are fairly close, though I'd probably edge the Niners in both the cases of Cincinnati and um, Kansas City in terms of overall roster. It makes sense because the quarterback, you know, is the ultimate kind of he makes everything fair, right? He's the ultimate bailout for them. And they have two elite quarterbacks and the Niners have three giant question marks at quarterback, one because of injury, one because of sample size and one because the first five years of his career were kind of crappy. So you would understand why those three teams are ahead. I also understand why he has the Niners at four. And it's because the Niners have proven, even despite all the questions at quarterback, all the injuries at quarterback, some of the less than, you know, starter Cal. I, I don't want to say some of the inconsistent play they've had at quarterback from Jimmy Garoppolo and all of that, that they still beat up on teams that have very good quarterbacks yeah. like Dallas, right? Like Dak is a top 10 ish quarterback in the NFL. The Niners beat the crap out of them the last two years. Geno Smith played like a top 11, 12, 13-ish quarterback in the NFL last year. Niners beat the shit out of them three times last year. You know, Kirk Cousins, Minnesota, I don't think anybody would pick Minnesota to beat them. So these decent, good teams with good quarterbacks, the Niners beat the crap out of them. So I completely understand why they're placed fourth. It's just weird when you have a team that's been this good for this long and that's this talented to constantly be having a question mark at quarterback, but yet us look at them as, hey, they're still one of the best teams in the sport, and they're still one of the biggest um, favorites to win the Super Bowl. In fact, in the NFC, they have the second best odds to get to the Super Bowl, just behind Philadelphia, and that just recently flipped, by the way. The Niners right. were at number one. Now the Eagles are at plus 800, according to DraftKings, and the Niners are at plus 900. Here's the issue that I have with it, Vish. I think we can both agree quarterback is by far the most important position in the NFL. Yes. Yes. Agreed. Okay. And we can agree that right now we have no idea who the quarterback is going to be for the 49ers. Yeah, pretty much. Right. Well, we don't know if it's going to yeah. be Brock. We don't know if it's going to be Trey. We don't know if it's going to be Darnold and we don't know if pick your poison there. We don't even know for how long that particular yeah. person is going yeah, to okay, get the that's job. Fair. That's fair. Yeah. So you're telling me at the most important position, we have no clue who it can be at quarterback. And you're telling me the Niners have, at worst, the second-best odds in the NFC to get to the Super Bowl? They should be by far number one in everybody's power rankings, if that is true. If there is so much uncertainty at the most important position, you're telling okay. me the rest of the roster is so good that it doesn't matter? Then they're the best team in the NFL, right? If I told you we don't know who the quarterback is going to be for the Chiefs, it might be Patrick Mahomes, but it might not be. Are they going to be number one in anybody's power rankings? No, obviously Hell not. no. If I told you that we don't know who the quarterback is the quarterback's be part the of the team, right? The quarterback's part of the team. So when you're doing like a power ranking exercise, right, the impact of Mahomes, if you pick the Niners and the Chiefs to play in a neutral field, most people are probably taking the Chiefs to win that game, right? 
just because they have Patrick Mahomes and the Niners have one of Sam Darnold, Trey Lance, or Brock Purdy at quarterback. And so I think that's part of it, right? And so I think that the three teams above the 49ers would be the three teams that would be favored if they played because those are the three teams that have a team that's somewhat comparable to the Niners' talent, which I do agree. Sam's the quarterback. The Niners have greater talent, I think, than all three of those teams. If you look at top to bottom, depth, roster, stars, everything, all-encompassing, I do agree with you. But I do think the quarterback's part of it, and I do think I even I would pick those three teams to beat the Niners in a neutral field just because I know what Joe Burrow is. I know what Patrick Mahomes is. I know what um, – I know what, excuse me, uh, Jalen Hurts is. I blinked on his name there for a second. But, you know, I don't know what Brock Purdy is going to be coming off of the injury. I still have no clue who Trey Lance is at all. And then I have an idea of what Sam Darnold is. But, you know, I I would love to see Sam Darnold in a situation that's like the Niners because he's going from having, you know, pretty bad – crappy situations for his first five years to an all-time great one so it's tough to have a good description of well he we know he's not very good but we also think he could have some levels of success in this situation as well I just think if there's that much uncertainty at the most important position and the Niners are still ranked this highly by Vegas and still Mm -hmm. ranked this highly by Peter King to me that tells me the rest of the roster is by far and away it has to be because that's the only explanation I agree yes for having them up that high. Uh, Gammon Brown says, hypothetical question, if the Niners and Eagles play 10 games straight in a neutral location, what would be the 49ers win-loss record and why? Thank you for your time. I'm going to do something that you're going to criticize me for, Vish. I'm going to sit on the fence and I'm going to say five and five because I think the teams are evenly matched and I'm assuming that Brock is the quarterback for the 49ers just to go back to the NFC Championship game. I think it would be split five and five. Is that unreasonable? I'm going to take it even a step further than you. You think I was going to criticize you? I'm going to waffle even further. I have no clue whatsoever. And the reason I have trouble deciphering what's really happening is because Brock Purdy got injured like six snaps into that NFC championship meeting. So we didn't even get to see that matchup really play out and understand, okay, Niners match up this way on the lines of scrimmages. On the outside, Ayuk and Debo give Slay and Bradbury these problems. We didn't get to really see any of it because – the Niners were playing with Josh Johnson for 99% of that football game. And so I, on paper, I think five and five is a really fair split because I do think top to bottom, those are the two best rosters in the NFL. So I would agree with you on paper, but not being able to see the actual matchup play out in its entirety, even the Niners defense, I thought they played excellent in that NFC championship game. But they reached a point of desperation very early in that game where they (laughs) felt like we have to win the game for the Niners. We have to do something other than just consistently get stops. And so I I think this is an awesome question. I think we will find out how evenly these teams are matched up when they play in the regular season this year. But not being able to see it really play out at all in the NFC Championship game makes it very difficult for me to know how these two teams actually match up. On paper, I think five and five is perfect but I don't know what the actual matchup is. And I think you're right. And your point about the Brock getting hurt so early is a valid one. And I kind of just, this is going to sound weird, but like setting aside that it's the NFC championship game and the Super Bowl is on the line. One of the sad things about it is I kind of wanted to see how Brock was going to respond 
in a situation where I think he was going to be under a ton of pressure because the Eagles were dominating the 49ers offensive line, at least early on in that game. And I wanted to see just in general, how is he going to respond? Because he is a guy that can move around a little bit, but he didn't really have to do too much of that during his time as the starter. So I kind of wanted to see like, hey, what does he do in this situation? Does he panic? You know, because we still have a lot to learn about Brock just as a player. And so that was another part of the NFC Championship game that we just didn't get to see. Yeah, I mean, take it a step further with Brock Purdy, right? One of the things that impressed everybody watching Brock Purdy is the poise, the moxie. He never lost his confidence. So impressive for a rookie player and all of that. We never really got to see him go on the road. They stayed in the West Coast the entire second half of the season. The Mexico game was basically a home game for them. The Vegas game, they had the majority of the fans at that game. Um, The Seattle game was his one really road game, right, on a short week. And so it would have been really cool to see him in that environment. Philadelphia took the early lead and all of that. And then being able to see Brock Purdy respond to that. I do think he would have responded, but we didn't really get to see the opportunity of seeing him go through that. And I was excited to see that as well. Not to mention, Rob, the NFC sucked, right? The (laughs) NFC sucked last year. It really sucked. And you had the Niners were going on that 12. Was it 12? They won 12 in a row. Well, yeah, 10 in a row and then the playoff games. Right. So they won 12 in a row. You had that streak. You had Philly, who was basically a buzzsaw for the first mm-hmm. like 12 weeks of the season. And then they slowed down a little bit in between when Jordan Davis got hurt and they had to go sign, as uh, Cam Newton calls him, Donkey Kong Sue and Linval <laughs> Joseph. So they had to do that. And you had Dallas, who was kind of the third team, but we always felt like they were the on the outside looking in. We felt like they were a cut below both San Francisco and Philadelphia. And given all of that, I was really pissed that we didn't even get to see that matchup play out. Like, obviously, there's the frustration of the, being a fan, right, Rob? I'm sure you went through it, too. Like, yep. so close to the Super Bowl, you want them to win and all of that. But just as a pure football fan, it was frustrating not to be able to see, well, We've had the entire season build up to these two crappy teams or these two incredible teams beating up on all the crap in the NFC. And then they're about to go up against each other. We think we're about to have this epic NFC championship game. And it's one of the worst games you'll see because the Niners had not a quarterback and Josh Johnson playing quarterback, you know, 10 snaps into the game. Always. It will just always be one of those weird what if situations and I hate it, but there's nothing we can do about it now. I like this question from Corey and thank you very much for the super chat, Corey, because it kind of brings me into the next part of what I want to talk about on the show. Corey says they only have about one to two years left with getting away without an established quarterback. Right. And that's without considering the imperative of a top 10 guy. I saw this this morning, Vish. It actually comes from The Athletic. And it's an article, I think, about the Atlanta Falcons and their quarterback situation. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to ask you about it because it, it was interesting to me. It made sense. And it said, this is very much a generalization. But if we assume that 20% of the quarterbacks in the league are difference makers and another 20% are not good, then that leaves 60% of the league that's playing with a guy who's good enough in the right circumstances. You can waste a lot of time and energy trying to get a guy you think is in the first 20%, and teams such as the Falcons are probably thinking about getting off that train and seeing what they can do with a guy in the 60%. And what I tweeted about is essentially, I think the Niners are doing the same thing. I think the Niners think we just need a guy in that 60% and we'll be good. 
And I think that is a mistake at the quarterback position. I think that the Niners should never think that way. No team should think that way. You should be doing every single thing possible to get a guy in that top 20%. Because if you look at the history of the league, especially in the last 10, 15 years, those are the guys that win Super Bowls. I disagree. I think the Niners have. Look, I think the Niners have done every single thing possible to try and get a guy in the top 20%, right? They paid a guy who's not in the top 20%, and then they spent the next three to four years despite having him be, you know, in 2018, 2019, Jimmy Garoppolo was still near the top five, six highest-paid quarterbacks in the NFL at the time, and the Niners were still having conversations about Brady, having conversations about Stafford, Watson. They were all making that attempt, and then they ultimately – you know, moved heaven and earth to go get Trey Lance. So I do think they do make that attempt. Um, It's just been extremely unsuccessful. And I think in a realistic setting, I agree with you, right? This is, I'm a Pistons fan. So this is right up the NBA alley. I used to always be like, why are the Pistons paying Andre Drummond? I know he's not a max player. You know, he's not a max player. I know that he was the only good draft pick the Pistons have had in like five years, but just trade him, get another first round pick and hope that, you know, that first round pick becomes a franchise changing player, right? A LeBron that just comes in and now Detroit is finally out of poverty. Similarly, I think that your logic is similar to that, right? Like why pay a quarterback if he's not good, just go keep finding the next one until you land an elite one. Right. The issue with that is that I think it's unrealistic when you have coaches and GMs whose jobs are on the line and their jobs are safe. If they have the guy who's just good enough, right? And I think when you throw details like that in, you kind of start to understand why teams are okay with good enough. Because, like, for all of the issues with good enough, Kyle Shanahan had three losing seasons in four going into 2021, right? He had three losing seasons in four, the one winning season they made the Super Bowl. But he had three losing seasons in four, including two six and ten seasons, and two seasons that yielded, you know, top, was it top five picks? 18 yielded a top five pick or no, I guess they inherited a top five pick in 17, but two top 10 picks, right? Pick nine and pick uh, two. And so there was pressure on them to win. So you can understand why they would go for the consistent option in Garoppolo, despite moving heaven and earth to get a quarterback. Now, I don't agree with that. Even now, I didn't agree with it then, but I understand it. And similarly, that's where I do understand it. Um, for teams that, you know, like to hover around the 60%. Because sure, you know, Kirk Cousins isn't Patrick Mahomes, but having Kirk Cousins sure sure as hell doesn't get you fired the way having Zach Wilson does. And I would say Zach Wilson has the more quote-unquote talent compared to Kirk Cousins, but he's just not good. And at least Kirk Cousins is pretty good. Here's the thing, Vish. You don't have to stick with Kirk Cousins, right? You don't have to stick with the guy that's good enough. Once you say, you know what? He ain't it. You get off of him and you go to somebody else. To what though? What happens the next- if the guy's worse than Kirk Cousins? Then you get off of him and you go to somebody else. Like that is, don't give me what if this guy is, I hate that. That is living in your fear, right? Don't do anything because what we might do could be worse. If we had that attitude, nobody would have ever accomplished anything. How many quarterbacks do you think regimes are realistically allowed to go through though? In fact, I think Robert Sala and Joe Douglas haven't gotten rid of Zach Wilson. One, because I don't think anybody cares to get him, take him right now. But then two, I, I think it's because, you know, if we move off of him after two years like this, we look really, really bad. 
Well, that's fair. And I think part of that is building up the rest of the roster, right? If you build up the rest of the roster in the meantime, then that could potentially buy you more time, which is essentially what the 49ers have done because they're still looking for their quarterback. And we're seven years into this thing. They're the exception though, right? They're the exception. John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan have done everything else so exceptionally well that they've been the exception. In fact, even the four years of success, they've had three out of four years of success, Rob. How many times do you see that with a team without having an all-time or not an all-time type quarterback, but even, you know, a guy that we look at as a 15-year franchise quarterback, like a Matt Ryan, a Matthew Stafford. Right. By the way, Gammon Brown says, Vish, lack of flair in the background is a flex. Hat? I like that. I, I, got a, I got a few hats back there. But, yeah, the lack of flair is kind of becoming a problem. It's becoming a problem. <laughs> I'll tell you that. I, I'm working remote for a little while right now. And okay. let me tell you, the white walls – I, I, I need to leave my apartment like maybe three or four times a day, even if it's like dreary and cold outside <laughs> like it is today, just to get a change of scenery. They're closing in. Uh, Gammon oh, Brown yeah. also says, true, false. Purdy in the regular season, Lance Darnold in the playoffs. God, I hope that's not the – if it's Lance, if it's Purdy and Lance, I'll, I'll live with that. But I don't want Darnold playing on this team for any reason whatsoever. Um, but just to go back to, to what we were talking about He's there, the with- greatest thrower the Niners have ever had, Rob. Yeah, don't worry. We'll get to Mayoko. He must be on some type of bender to say the things that he's been saying. And then he tried to clear it up, and he made it even worse, which is hilarious. Um, I have thoughts on that that I think you will share, but I, I think we're going to get to that. So yeah, we'll leave it. We'll, yeah. we'll get to that in a minute. But going back to what we were talking about, yeah, I think you just keep rotating guys in and out. Build up the rest of the roster. And then if you, if your guy's not good enough, get rid of him. Because, yeah, there is that fear of, well, he might be worse. But you know what? There's also that fear of the rest of the roster is so good, even if this guy isn't the guy, like, we'll be good enough to where we're not going to get fired. So I think that's the approach that you have to take with it while you're searching for that guy. And I don't think the 49ers are taking that approach, which is very, very frustrating to me. But I just saw that in The Athletic, and I thought, that's exactly what the 49ers are doing. They're looking for a guy in that 60%. And they're just going to roll with that and hope that that's good enough. And when you look back at NFL history, those guys are not the guys winning Super Bowls. So the one thing the Niners can get away with the 60%, and I think this goes back a little bit to Corey Soto's question about, well, don't they do need a quarterback, right? This sustenance isn't going to hold up. I agree. They do need a quarterback. This sustenance needs, isn't going to hold up. But the fact that the quarterback remains cheap, is an advantage if the quarterback's within the 60 percent and he's on a rookie deal that's doable you can compete with that if the quarterback's within the 60 percent he's making top five-ish money the way jimmy garoppolo was that becomes a little problematic now the niners Mm -hmm. lucked out in the situation when they were paying jimmy garoppolo every one of their young superstars was on a rookie contract now it's flipping where all the young superstars they're getting their top of the market top of the line money So the quarterback has to be cheap. And I guess that's where they're so enamored with Brock Purdy because they think he already fits in the 60% as a rookie. And I'm sure they think that he can maybe grow beyond that. And he's the cheapest contract ever because he was the last pick in the draft. So, No, that's a good point. And I think that they recognize that. I think sometimes they put a little too much 
faith in just just having a quarterback on a rookie deal. Like that's a that's the most important thing. That's not the most important thing. That guy still needs to be able to play. It's their um, pivot to sell it, right? It's their right. pivot to sell why it's okay if Trey Lance doesn't work out and Brock Purdy does, because all and they wanted was a rookie deal quarterback. I feel like they've been doing a ton of selling this off. They're always trying to sell you on something, whether it's, oh, we still like Trey Lance. Nothing has changed with Trey Lance. Yeah. Okay, great. That's why you were basically trying to dump this guy in February before Brock even had surgery. Like They're always trying to sell you something. Now they're trying to sell us that Sam Darnold is the greatest thrower of the football in the history of the 49ers organization. What? Like it's always a sales job with the Niners. Yeah, that one that one was pretty crazy. I'll tell you that. But I I will say this: while we're on the ceiling thing, the way Shanahan has talked about Sam Darnold, and Sam Darnold was the number three in the pick in the draft because he is very talented physically, right? He does have certain level of physical gifts. Now we've seen those physical gifts on a football field in less than ideal situations, but we've also seen the quarterback play be less than ideal from Sam Darnold, right? So those gifts do exist and they haven't helped him. Yeah. Play so well. I'm trying to be nice, Rob. You're being to Sam Darnold. I've been, I've been nice to him, but the point is we've seen that, but I, I think that when they're talking about ceiling and all of that, I think they look at Sam Darnold as a guy that, Hey, that's our reclamation project. He's really talented. Look at, look at how Shanahan talked about him at the owner's meeting, man. Greg Papa said the moment he was signed, on KBR yep. that he thought Sam Darnold would be the week one starter. Think about that. Think about that. Team employee, Greg Papa, who calls the radio games for the 49ers from the second Sam Darnold was signed, said he's going to be the week one starter. You think he's just going out on a limb there and saying that? You think he has no inside knowledge whatsoever? Because I don't. I don't know about you, but I don't. No. He, but he works for the organization. And then you have NBC Bay Area, who works in line with the organization, the biggest 49ers reporter saying something controversial when he never shares his opinions. Who do you, why do you think he said that? I think somebody very high up in the 49ers probably told him that. And he felt very confident saying it because he thought, oh, shoot, this is like a fact. He's greasing. I said it at the time. He's greasing the skids to prepare the fan base for Sam Darnold to start. That's all that was by Matt Mayoko. And then, I don't know if you saw this, Vish, and then he tries to clarify the comment. There's an article in NBC Sports Bay Area by him. Matt Matt Mayoko clarifies his outrageous Sam Darnold statement. And in the article, he says... (laughs) Anytime the conversation is about best anything with the 49ers, the quarterbacks at the top of the list are Joe Montana and Steve Young. Okay, good job. Were Montana and Young great throwers? Of course. Okay, Matt, good job. And then there's this line. But is arm talent the first thing that jumps to mind with both of those men? Probably not. You know who's getting completely overlooked in this arm talent conversation? Colin Kaepernick, Jimmy Garoppolo, Jeff Garcia. I mean, well, yeah, Kaepernick, especially like the throw he makes rolling out to his left to Anquan Bolden against the Rams at St. Louis, the the throw that he moons balls, you know, on a fourth and one one play. That was ridiculous. The jump throw over Earl Thomas to Anquan Bolden in the NFC championship game. 
That was an out of this world throw. The skinny post he throws to Michael Crabtree in the um, NFC divisional playoff game, the game that he completely took over against yeah. Green Bay. That was, you know, a ridiculous, oh my goodness throw. There were more, oh my goodness, ridiculous throws from that single season of Kaepernick than I probably have seen of Sam Darnold in his career. And it's not that Sam Darnold doesn't have great arm talent. He does, but come on. But how do you clarify your comments about Darnold's arm talent being better than Montana and Young and then say, is arm talent the first thing that jumps to mind with both of those men? Probably not. Like, Matt, you just did it again. You did it again. And it's all in service to this narrative that the 49ers want out there about how we're plowing ahead with Sam Darnold. So get ready. And you got to just take it and smile. And I, I can't stand it, Vish. I can't stand it. And I want people to know exactly what the 49ers are doing. <laughs> well, you are letting them know. I'll tell you that. I go on Twitter and it's you being angry about something. Are you telling me I'm wrong? Are you telling no, me that, that is not, that's the thing? And But there are so many people out there that are cheering for Sam Darnold. What if we win, Rob? What if we win? You think we're going to win? This guy stinks. Yeah, I do. I do. I do. I do. You think they're going to win games with Sam Darnold? I do. I think they're going to win games with Trey Lance. I think they're going to win games with Sam Darnold. I think they're going to win games with Brock Purdy. I do. I really do think that. But I also thought they were going to win games with Nick Mullins. I also did think they were going to win games with C.J. Beathard. Not in 2018, uh, but when he played in 2020. Uh, So, yeah, I've been very wrong about that before. I'll tell you that. Steve Supremo, tell a friend to be a friend and sub a friend. This guy is killing it. Look at that bar. Like and subscribe to the YouTube channel. But that is not the – I shouldn't say that. That is not the only crazy thing that Matt Mayoko said when he was on KMBR last week because he was talking about Jake Moody and the 49ers' selection of Jake Moody in the late third round, basically fourth round. And he said something that – it's rare that I have this reaction, but I was overjoyed and also my head almost exploded out of anger, <laughs> which is weird to have that exact reaction based on one quote. I will play the quote for you from Mayoko and then we can respond. Here's Matt Mayoko on KMBR talking about the selection of Jake Moody and the effect that it might have on the offense. I think actually you'll see maybe a more aggressive offense because of it, because Robbie Gold was, you know, damn near automatic yep and so and so when the 49ers got within the say the 35 yard line they would they would take the points you know they would be like well you know there's three points right there yeah totally we take it yep and so i i think you know this will be something where you'll see them going for it more and for it down just because of that reason like you know what it's a uh, whatever, a 47, 46, 43 yard field goal. Maybe it's not quite as automatic as it was with Robbie Gold. So they might be a little bit more aggressive offensively because of that. Okay. On the one hand, I love that Kyle Shanahan won't be carting the kicker out there on fourth down. They should be going for it more. I've been saying this since Kyle Shanahan got the job. He mismanages the game in that area. They need to go for it way more on fourth down than they do. But Vish, the idea that the way that you get Kyle Shanahan to go for it more on fourth down is to draft a kicker in the third round and then not use him is beyond insanity to me. Yeah, that was that was ridiculous. That was ridiculous. <laughs> I'm sorry. 
okay, the Niners need to go for it on fourth down in general. I, every year the fourth down chart comes out, and guess where Kyle Shanahan's always placed in it? He's not placed conservative with McVay and LaFleur. He's never placed aggressive with Brandon Staley and those type of guys. Guess where he always is? In a category by himself that <laughs> Ben Baldwin kind coins confusing. Because Kyle Shanahan's fourth down decision-making is so bizarre. Sometimes it'll be third and two and you think they're going for it on fourth down and they'll run it and they'll get half a yard. And Shanahan will say after the game, oh, I thought we were going to get more on the run play and I thought it was going to be closer, but I didn't want to go for it on fourth and one and a half. But I would have gone for it on a fourth and one. So, okay, that one and a half yard. Okay, fine, Kyle, I understand it. And then sometimes (laughs) randomly fourth and five, like Shanahan will just keep him out there and be like, yep, we're going for this. Like, okay. So they're – Fourth down decision-making because Shanahan seems to do it by all his own feel, and his feel seems to be the most arbitrary feel of all time. He just goes for it when he feels like it and doesn't go for it when he feels like it. But this idea that they didn't want to pay Robbie Gold a lot of money, which I completely understand, so they drafted a kicker, and they drafted a kicker because they wanted to make sure that they got the best kickers. So they used the third round pick and make sure that because kickers are very important, they wanted to have a good one, just like they had one with Robbie gold. And then this idea that they're now not going to trust him and start going for it on going for it on fourth down. Like what, why wouldn't they take a kicker if they didn't trust him as much as Robbie gold, that pick of taking Jake Woody only makes sense. If you thought he was the only kicker in the draft, you could trust from day one, just like Robbie gold. Right. That's exactly right. You drafted him because you want to replace Robbie Gold. If your strategy and your thinking is, hey, we're not going to have as reliable a kicker, so we'll go for it more on fourth down, just stick with Zane Gonzalez and use the pick on right. somebody else. Like right. that. And there was no pushback from the hosts on KMBR. They're just sitting there, yup, nodding along. Like he just said one of the most outrageous things ever, and there's no pushback. That's what I mean. It, it, it is a weird. 49ers media situation that was the as soon as I heard that I was like how can that be possible how does it make any sense to take a guy with a third round pick just so you don't use him it was kickoff specialist ensure that he saves the field position by putting the ball back putting the ball through the end zone which I guess I somewhat understand but that one is that one was nuts Rob that one was nuts that one was as nuts as it's the best best 49ers thrower I've ever seen. The other thing I I, I would. <laughs> you got to laugh. Yeah. You got to laugh to keep from crying. Unreal. Unreal. And the other thing I, I think that's so bizarre with his fourth down decision making is have you noticed how aggressive he is when Trey Lance is under center on fourth down? Like the Which Cardinals like. game at Arizona when they went for it like six times or five times or whatever. Yep. I loved it. I was love. That was one of the things I was most excited about. Like, okay, Trey is in and we're going to go for it on fourth down more. Like, Yes. Please sign me up for more of that. And that went away. Steven Duckett, new member on the channel, says, watch him go for it more on fourth down with Darnold starting. Part of that was my thinking, like, maybe with Jimmy, Kyle doesn't trust him enough, so he doesn't go for it on fourth down. And then when they brought in Trey, they started going for it on fourth down. So I thought in my head, like, maybe that makes sense. But then he went right back to just ultra conservative, like, terrified of everything ways. And it's crazy to me. Right, which is which puts us in a really weird spot because then the thing that would immediately formulate in our minds, because I thought a similar thing too when Trey Lance originally was playing. And I think also, by the way, 
In general, on third and fourth and short, I think this needs to be a point of conversation. Having a mobile quarterback is a massive advantage. Oh. Third and five is an immediate rundown if you know you can go for it on fourth and two because the quarterback can run and you always have a numbers advantage in the run game. So that is a big difference maker in all of this, and that's why a team like Philadelphia is able to go for it as often as they can. They have the best short yardage back in all of football, and that back yes. is Jalen Hurts, their quarterback. And he's one of the best red zone runners, too, in the sport of football. So that definitely helps. And you can understand, perhaps it's just the running element of the quarterback. But then all of us thought, hey, Shanahan loves this guy. He traded this much to get him. So it's probably a trust thing, too, with Garoppolo. You know that every any given play could be a turnover. And that's always scary. So I, I understood all of that. But if all of that was the case, Rob, then Trey Lance would be the... <laughs> unobjected uninhibited starter right now that Brock Purdy is hurt and instead he's in an all-out competition with one Sam Darnold so I don't understand the situation at all I think Ben Baldwin said it best confusing is the best way for to describe Shanahan's fourth down decision making he's able to get away with it because he's not held accountable over it um, yes. because he's just asked hey Kyle why did you decide? And he'll be like, oh, they got only half a yard on that run play, and I thought it was going to get three yards, so therefore I didn't want to go for it because I felt like we weren't close enough. It was just a feel thing. Okay, Kyle, great answer, and it just moves on, and he's contented giving that answer. Now, the one thing I will give a lot of credit to him that I've criticized him on the past, that he improved over the course of last year that's along the lines of fourth down and game management is – he got better at challenging, Rob. He was the worst challenger in the NFL <laughs> his first four years as the head coach of the 49ers. Remember in the Colts game when he challenged nothing? Like, yeah. he was the worst challenger in the NFL. And last year, he was very good about challenging. Of course, he should have challenged the Devontae Smith, challenged the Devontae Smith play on fourth down in the NFC Championship game. He missed out on that. But Definitely, that was something he got better on, and I'm hoping that he gets really good at the fourth down thing, too, because I think those are the one or two things that are keeping him from being the best head coach in the sport, because really everything else about him is truly excellent. So in 2022, he made six challenges. Four were overturned. Two were upheld. In 2021, he made three challenges. Two were, two were overturned. One was oh. upheld. In 2020... He had six challenges and split it three and three. In 2019, he had seven, and he had four overturned and three upheld. In 2018, six challenges, two overturned, four upheld. So that's what you're talking about. Okay, first... so I'm, I'm an idiot then because he's been pretty good every year besides 2018. And 2017, he had six total, five upheld. Okay, there we go. One overturned. So that your first impression there was correct, but he has improved. Um. So there is that aspect. Uh, one last thing before I get to this super chat. One of the most famous plays in 49ers history in the playoffs is the block punt, right? By Jordan Willis yes, and recovery yes. by Talanoa Hufanga. Do you know why that play was able to happen? It was because the 49ers went for it on fourth down, didn't get it. So the Packers yes. took over deep in their own territory. So when the Niners blocked the punt, they're able to recover it for a touchdown because of where they were on the field. If the Niners kick the field goal, they're not in that spot. And so even in the quote-unquote worst-case scenario for Kyle Shanahan, it's still set up one of the greatest plays in the history of the 49ers playoffs. There we go. By the way, there's also a point with this that I've always 
found just to be an interesting conversation, a little bit confusing. I mean, coaches say, hey, our defense is really, really good, so I didn't feel like I needed to be aggressive on offense because I could just play the field position. Right. Part of me also thinks the opposite. Like, damn, yes. if your defense is really, really good, wouldn't you be more comfortable putting them in sudden change, more complicated situations because you know that they can keep bailing you out and yes. you can take chances with your offense because you have that level of a defense? I've always been a little bit confused when I hear that line of thinking because I think the opposite applies as well. 100%. That I absolutely agree with that. Your plan is to stop them anyway, right? So what the hell difference does it right. make? At least give yourself a chance to continue the offensive possession, especially at times when the Niners were as offensively challenged as they were. And even last year, there were a lot of those times before there the Christian McCaffrey yes. deal. Yes. Yeah. Uh, glass half full guy. Thank you for the super chat. As a 49er fan, all I really want is for the 49ers to give Lance a real and legitimate shot at starting instead of hemming and hawing. Yeah, welcome to our lives for the past two years, glass half full guy. I think all of us that are fans of Trey have been saying that repeatedly. Um, and the thing that continues to amaze me is that Trey Lance continues to have a positive attitude about the 49ers organization. He's constantly posting good things on social media. He has not soured at all. And that's to his credit because he has plenty of reason to sour at this point. Yeah, he seems to be just a very high character individual. So <laughs> that's all you got for me. That's all John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan got. Yeah, you're not wrong. Uh, one last thing before we go. Thursday was shaping up to be one of my favorite days of the entire year. Do you know what that was supposed to be? Was it because you were hosting uh, the ESPN game day on Saturday? Well, no. So I did host at ESPN radio Saturday and Sunday game night, uh, game which night. was a lifelong dream of mine. Like literally it was the only thing on my bucket list. And I was able to cross it off this weekend, which was really, really cool. I actually got to stretch my legs a little bit and talk about some NBA. We did some Warriors Lakers talk. Are you a think... Warriors fan, Rob? No, I'm actually a old Seattle Sonics fan, now an Oklahoma City Thunder fan. Pineapple lucky Pizza you. Says, Hello, Rob. Lakers in six. Yeah, lucky me. We'll see. Um, but Sam Presti got... is brilliant. Yeah, he's so brilliant. That's why he didn't win a championship with three MVPs on his team at the same time. But anyway, that was really fun that I got to do that. No, Thursday is one of my favorite days of the year because that was supposed to be the release of the schedule, which... I think is massively important for every NFL team. You talked about it earlier, Vish. The Niners didn't leave the Pacific time zone after week 11 last year. After the Mexico City game, they were in the Pacific time zone every single week, which is massive for a team. I think reducing the travel and the time on the airplane is a big deal. The Niners could potentially have a very dicey travel schedule this year. So I was like, pumped up about Thursday to get to see all the iterations and everything. But now Peter King said the schedule release might be delayed, which really bums me out because I need to know these things. Damn it. Especially in May when there's not that much else going on. Yeah. I'm not that crazy about that one, Rob. I I'm sorry. That sounds like a you problem. You don't think the schedule release is important. Oh, I think it is. I'm not, you know, fretting that it got delayed. No. Why don't you ever get upset about things, Fish? I do you get do upset even about keel. some things, but I, I need what? I, I feel like you're emotional enough for the two of us. <laughs> I'm emotional enough like, for a lot. In of my, in my, a lot of times on the inside, and this is why I stopped doing 
well, I did do still do immediate post games, but I stopped doing them immediately, like the minute after the game competing with you. And it's because I feel like I'm, I have the same emotions inside of me as you, but you're releasing them and they're manifesting a lot better than mine. Like you're saying the things that I have in my head that filter out in a very monotone, like, yeah, this is what happened. I I go the Jimmy Garoppolo. It is what it is approach. And you're like full on Denny green in the post game. Like they were who they thought they were. And in my head, I'm like, yes, that's what I'm thinking. They were who we thought they were, but my voice isn't saying that. Ah, well, don't worry. I have the feelings and they come out like it's uncontrollable. Literally, like if if I didn't have the live show to do, like before I started doing that, I would just be tweeting my way through it. Just just firing off. Jesse have beef now. Did you steal his soundboard, Rob? Okay, can we like let's talk about that for a minute. I don't know the origin of that beef. Apparently, for anyone that doesn't know, there are there's a 49ers content creator beef going on uh between what is it real talk 49ers talk and some people i don't even know who specifically they're mad at but they mentioned that people are copying their broadcast style i want to be totally transparent i have no idea what their broadcast style is um i haven't i haven't seen a lot of their shows but if their argument is that they put they use a soundboard to put like drops and stuff in the show like that's not a new idea and by the way, Jesse from Last Second Sports, we don't actually have a Twitter beef. I tweeted, I said, hey, a Niner content creator beef that I'm not a part of. It's kind of refreshing. So then Jesse said, now, nah, damn it, now we have a beef. So yeah, he I, and I have a, a war. Look, I, I have not seen their style. I don't want to actually comment on this because I have no clue what the story is. I just went on Twitter this morning and I caught like the very end of some conversation that I, by the way, I did try to look, I'm that shameless. I was in a meeting, but this was more important. So I tried to figure <laughs> out what was going on. I could not figure out what was going on for the life of me. And I did click on multiple accounts, go on the replies, do my stalking, could not figure it out. I, I but I, I will say respect to them. If they have created a trend in the game of using a soundboard and having an impressive broadcast style that other people want to, use that like that's that to me is imitation is the sincerest form of flattery they should be flattered that their style is something people covet that means they're doing a great job but that's not a new like that's what radio shows have been doing for decades like so and maybe there weren't 49er content creators doing it but it's not like well, they i mean were they, I've been they doing, just upset about merely using the soundboard i thought i don't it was know the similar sounds from the soundboard oh well that could be if it's the similar sounds that's a different thing I want to say that it's a different thing, but if it's just using the soundboard, I mean, hell, I've been doing that here for two years. Um, but if, if you're literally using the exact same sounds, that's a different thing. And they, they're right to be upset about that. I agree with that too, but either way, they should be flattered. If people are trying out their broadcast style, that means that they've created a lane that people are not one people are interested in it, but two people are interested to a point where they say, that's the person I want to follow. That's the person I want to be like, they're doing it right. And I want to do it like that. Yeah, that's true. And the real innovators are the ones that can see that and then adjust and do something else that other right. people want to copy. By the way, uh, John Chapman just tweeted this out a minute ago. First downs allowed in 2022, San Francisco 49ers are number one at 77. Do you know the next closest team and what their number is? 200 
New England is the next closest team at 90. Oh, okay, 90. So the 49ers allowed 13 fewer first downs than the second best team in the sport. That is an insane statistic. Yeah. I will say the Niners quarterback schedule kind of played into that as well. We know how great the Niners defense is taking nothing away from that, but they, they did get some favorable run on which quarterbacks they played to. to help yeah. You could that. say that then, but let's put every team under that same scrutiny. What was For New sure. England's run of quarterback? You know, like, well, they, they had to play Josh Allen twice. Miami's got a good offense. They had to play them twice. I think one of those games was with Skylar Thompson. So there's an advantage. There you go. See, that's what they I mean. They got Zach Wilson twice. So there's a big, big right. advantage. Gammon Brown says, did you win the Twitter beef with Jesse? Yes or no? It's all, oh, it's ongoing. Jesse and I, I don't think it'll ever be settled. Um, by the way, Jesse's commenting Niners were the best team in the NFL in starting field position, both offensively and defensively. And be have nice you, if have you seen ahead. the videos of Jesse hitting the bag, Rob? I would settle that beef ASAP if I was you. Well, well, look, I think we all know if it was a physical confrontation, I stand no shot. I will be soloed without any difficulty. I'm 140 pounds, I'm 5'10. Physical confrontations are not my thing, okay? That, that is not where I'm going to be successful. So let's just put that out there right now. Maybe so you're I settling need... the beef? Well, I get, well, look, Jesse and I probably will never be in the same state, so I don't need to settle it. If it ever oh, comes okay. to pass where we're in the same state, I'll settle it pretty damn cool. Okay, okay. <laughs> Levin actually took over my beef, LOL. He won, Jesse said. By the way, somebody was asking, where's Levin? Levin and I do a show on Thursdays, so that's where Levin is. It's Monday, so don't worry. Nothing has happened to the human wet blanket. He's still around. But is anyway, that what you call him? Yes, that's what he is. He's earned that nickname, the human wet blanket. He poo-poos Man. everything. Really? Have you not heard him? I have, but I don't know if I would go to everything. Oh, yeah, it's terrible. We're, we're, I'm working on it with him. So far, oh, it's okay, been two okay. years. And, work in progress. Yeah, it's been two years, and there's been no change. So we'll see. But that's <laughs> going to do it for this edition of the show. Thanks, everybody. Please like and subscribe to the YouTube channel. And again, we have YouTube channel memberships. Please, please, please become a member. $2.99 a month. You get custom emojis. You get membership badges. You get priority comment response. We really, really do appreciate all your support. So we hope you sign up for that. Vish, what do you got going on the rest of the week? Uh, I'm not sure yet. I think tomorrow I will be streaming with your new friend, Larry Kruger, on my channel. I don't know what we will be talking about. The topics have been a little bit slow, but I'm sure Matt Mayoko might have something more for us to talk about or (laughs) something. I'm I'm joking, but I I really do respect Matt Mayoko a lot. I don't want to come across as I'm clowning him, but um, I'm sure there will be, knowing the Niners, something's going to come up in the next 24 hours that's going to be interesting for all of us to talk about passionately otherwise rob i i don't have a lot else going on just stay tuned to my channel subscribe like the video there as well i post on my community tab what's happening so you can follow along there my schedule is usually always scattershot the last thing i I do want to mention too rob is i i think with the memberships you should also add exclusive gossip on Twitter beefs between content creators, given that you're involved in some of them, it feels like I seem to be involved in all of them, which is weird, but yeah, I could have a little, uh, little behind the curtain there for people that want to sign up. There we go. 
By the way, uh, speaking of Mayoko, he just tweeted NFL schedule is likely out this week, and it seems unlikely the 49ers will be heading overseas for a game, which I'm always happy to hear. I never like it when the Niners have to play overseas. It's a lot of travel. It's a, I just don't like it. So good. They won. T- they've won the last two times they've played, right? Uh, well, you're talking overseas or international? Like, are we counting? Mexico City is not overseas. Yeah, I, I was counting overseas. So okay. in London, remember they had the Josh McDaniels cheat game? Oh, that's right. <laughs> they won that with Singletary. And then yeah. they won against Jacksonville, I think, with Harbaugh. I Didn't Troy Smith win an international game too? Was that in- the was that the Denver game that Josh McDaniels cheated in 2010? It might have. I can't remember. I know Troy Smith started an international game that, that uh, he actually Troy's, won. I, Troy Smith started way too many games for the 49ers. I'll tell you that. It's been remember a rocky. That, remember that flying duck he threw to Michael Crabtree on like Monday Night Football against the Cardinals? He threw an absolute flying duck into the end zone and Crabtree <laughs> ran under it and got it. Or the one he was trying to throw to Vernon Davis last game of the season against the Rams. And he inadvertently <laughs> overthrows him by 10 yards to a streaking Crabtree who takes it 60. I don't actually remember that, but now I'm going to have to dig through Troy Smith 49ers highlights. Stephen Duckett said, boo, our there players. There won't be too des- many of them. That's true. Our players deserve to experience a London game. They can go to London anytime they want. They got plenty of money. We just don't need to see them uh, over there. Bay Marin says, I'd love a 49er game in Germany. I think that would be cool. I think it's going to happen. And then I think pretty much every team is going to play internationally every year. They want to go to 18 games on the schedule. I think that much is clear. They wanted to do it when the schedule was 16 games, but they knew they would never be able to get it through. I think eventually they're going 18. I think every team's going to get an international game. So uh, you will be able to see a 49er think, game in Germany. Think they're going to start fielding lo- larger rosters when they get to 18. So 53 might turn in. We've already got the extension of the practice squad and all of that. No, COVID rules completely changed that. So I don't think they're going to because they don't want to pay the people. They should, but I don't think they will. I think the owners well, will do. Yeah, the well, we've thing. already started to notice that, right? With the practice squad and all of that. That's why Ambry Thomas was maintaining his a stead hold or a stronghold on his 53 man roster spot because even though the Niners clearly thought Janoris Jenkins was better than him, they didn't <laughs> want to pay Janoris Jenkins the one million dollars fully guaranteed as the vet minimum they would rather have him be a basically a contractor and have Ambry Thomas making the cheap third round salary to be inactive mm-hmm. no offense to Ambry Thomas but. well he kind of earned it Ambry I'm just not saying just saying that's going to do it for the show thanks everybody mm-hmm.